0: During the week, I was watching a video that came up on my Facebook feed about another American who came to Scotland to study and then stayed to be a pastor. Matt came to study at Aberdeen, and what you see is three different cycles of working in churches in terms of what I think of as internships, two while he was in school, and then one as he was getting ready to be ordained. Now each church was in a small village. And yesterday, when I was walking out in, near where I'm staying, I was thinking about, you know, one of the things about the video is it made life in these little villages very idyllic. Because every time he had to walk somewhere, he could just wear his jacket. It was clear. There was no rain. There was no mud. And all the towns were bigger than Kyle. Um, But yet, part of what (coughs) the people he was working with about pastoral ministry in small towns was that he needed to learn to walk everywhere and to see and get to know his people. Now, one of the things Matt learned was that when you live in a small town, Matt said it was like living in a fishbowl because everybody knew you. Everybody knew your family, knew your family's stories, and so it was very different because he said he had come from a, what he called a tourist generation, and he had to learn instead of running through life, to slow down and walk through life. But one of the things that I took away from it was the importance of names of learning people's names, learning the story behind those names. And he said one of the things they do that Celeste and I have noticed is, your address is your house name, it's not a number. That just to me is just so fascinating and really kind of cool. And then learning the names of all the villages because as he would focus on one village, when I look out and see where all all of you've come from, it's there are a variety of villages that I need to get to know. And so our text today in Hebrews 3 begins with the name, Holy Brothers. Now we've come to the final sermon of our trilogy on Psalm 95. Psalm 95 reaches back to Exodus 17. The question is, is God among you? Now we visit the passage in Hebrews 3 that reaches back to Psalm 95 and quotes part of the passage six times in 3 and 4, making Psalm 95 the central point about asking about being in God's rest, because we were created to worship, as we said in Psalm 95, and we were created to listen. Now, in the idea of slowing down, what the text is suggesting is that we reflect on Jesus as an apostle, a high priest, a son, because we are his holy family. Verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle, the high priest of our confession. As Matt observed about being a tourist generation, being spectators of life, spending time surfing the net and just kind of looking around at all the things that are there, it's kind of like we're always on our way, but we're not sure where we're going or what the destination would even look like. Now, we live in a tourist destination, so we can look around and see tourists every weekend, and some some people have said they feel like the the tourist season is almost becoming a 12-month season, that people are getting away. I saw an article questioning about parents who would take midterm vacations with their children. In other words, pull them out for a week or two to go on a vacation with the family. We live in a culture that people know how to search for information, for ideas. But how much of us are we really spending on learning how to reflect on Revelation? And in this passage, it speaks about Jesus, the apostle, and the high priest. Of course, an apostle is someone who is sent with a message. We think of the apostles in the church as being foundational. They were sent by God just as Jesus was sent. And that Christ, particularly in the book of Hebrews, is seen as the great high priest. The one who opens the way for God's people to go into his very presence. And so when you want to think about who Jesus is and not just let that word just kind of flash through your mind, stop. Use a passage like this. <clears throat> Reflect upon what you think it means, what the Bible teaches you about Jesus being an apostle, someone who has been sent. And then being that great high priest. Now let's go back to the name, Holy Brothers. Holy is not a word we often use to describe each other in the church anymore. Being holy or being described as holy, having holy as an adjective in front of who you are, Sometimes it seems like you want to think of yourself as being better than someone else. But we know that the only reason we can be considered holy, separated to God, is because of His grace, because of the death of His Son on the cross to forgive us of our sins. That all the holiness we have in looking at each other and seeing that we are changed because of God's grace... And so we can look at each other as holy brothers. Remember, these are people that included both slaves and free in and, and the whole geography of Acts chapter 2, of all the people that came from all the different language groups. And you think about where the gospel was spreading. But yet they still describe it as a family. And so when we see people who are different than we are, who come from other places, who have different accents and maybe different languages, but yet call Jesus the Christ, we need to see them as family. We need to see beyond the externals into what God has done for them just as God has done something for us. Now, the writer, I think, really understands people. Because the writer goes back to Psalm 95. Do not harden your hearts. Now, what that means is by not listening, not hearing. Now, I want to... You know, we, we need to understand... That we can hear the Word of God, we can be around the Word of God. But we have to choose and ask God's Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that we we hear it in the way that changes us. That believes that God is really with us. So that we, we listen. Verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest any of you Lest there be in in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you away to fall away from the living God. Do you see the, the progress there in verse 12? If you have an evil, unbelieving heart, in other words, you're not willing to believe what God has said about who he is and what he has done, it will lead you to fall away from the living God. This is one of the few places where Scripture uses that phrase, the living God. Because they live in a culture that is surrounded by what we would think and what the Bible calls idols, things that are created by man that are worshipped. But here, it's talking about falling away from the living God. But we go back to the quote in this passage, the extended one, starting in verse 8, from Psalm 95, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they will always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my way. See, the hard heart, the unbelieving heart, comes from not hearing the voice of God. And it happened for 40 years, for a whole generation. God led and fed them. He led them with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. He gave them manna, He gave them water, He gave them quail. And that's why near the end, the writer raises this question in verse 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled. Who is this generation, these people? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses, and with whom he was provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Think about the the people that left Egypt, that generation, what they had experienced. They'd experienced the oppression of being slaves. They'd experienced oppression and and attempted genocide of their, their infants. They had been protected from the ten plagues. The Red Sea had opened for them and then crashed in on their enemies, the Egyptians. They'd been given quail, They've been given manna. They've been given water. They've been given protection in battles. But yet, that generation that experienced all of those things and we think, you know, if God would just do great things again, the answer is, it's still not going to change people's hearts. So when we think about kind of coming near the end of this. Today, hear his gracious voice, for God is not silent. That repetition of the word today, and the idea that God has spoken. Mm -hmm. Now, I've always thought that, you know, the fact that we have scripture, that God used prophets, that God... Let us know that he is there, that he is not silent, that he can communicate so that we can understand. Look at verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm in him. Do you understand that our relationship with God is not just an individual one, but a community one? That we have, first, we have this responsibility to exhort one another every day. See, I can't think of my relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, the Redeemer, as it's just about me. I have a responsibility to exhort, you have a responsibility to exhort. And this idea of today of realizing that each day we get a new start, but each day we get new responsibilities to exhort each other and encourage each other. Because what happens when we separate ourselves, that is when I think the latter part of verse 13 really happens, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If I live an open life so that others understand what's going on with me. They can challenge me and call me to repent and point out things in my life that aren't honoring to God. Sometimes, where I, we come from in the United States, the culture of privacy, you know, it's, it's this paradox where people want to be private, but that they want to put everything on Facebook. It just seems so crazy. And so as Christians, we need to figure out, how do we help each other? How do we exhort each other? That means we need to be willing to spend time with each other or have contact with each other. For we have, as it says in 14, come to share in Christ. Do you hear that? We have come to share in Christ. It's not just me. We share in Christ. That for New Testament Christians, people that were trying to figure this out, Scripture again and again reminded them that they were to do it in community. Because God in his gracious voice is not silent. Look what it says in verse 17. Because he he adds, it's, it's like he ups the ante. Verse seven says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today you hear his voice. Now... This is one of those passages that looks back because he's quoting Psalm 95, attributing it to the Holy Spirit, to the generation that Hebrews was written for, and for those of us that would hear, read Hebrews. Now, one of the things that I want to challenge you in, notice What it says in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, most of us read and we don't hear. One of the things that I tried for a while, because you can do these wonderful things on your computer, is I will hit the little button and slow down and listen to someone read me the passage. It takes longer. I did an experiment one time where I read through the book of Romans and then I hit the button and listened to the book of Romans. It took about one third more time to listen for me to slow down and hear and not rush ahead. Now, I realize that I'm... You know, you never know how to take yourself. My father was an engineer, and he thought his kids were going to be engineers. And so, when we were seniors in high school, this was back in the '60s, he spent money to send us to speed reading classes, so that we could take in all this information. Because they were saying in the '60s there's going to be so much information. I mean, I wonder what people today look back at what. But you know, you could. You know, I learned how to read. I could read about. You know, I could. My max would be about 1,200 words a minute. Normally, I'd just cruise along at 600. But when you do that in the Bible, it's what today we would call I'm surfing a passage rather than reading it, let alone listening to it, to hear the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of God, to know that when I read, He is present with me, and He helps me to hear, and He illuminates it so that I hear that. And that's part of what His voice is today. Don't live on your tomorrows. Don't keep looking ahead to the future, but think about today. Now, as we wrap up this trilogy, I want to get to the idea of rest. Because that's a word that we can have all kinds of personal backgrounds and meanings and understanding of. But rest is a gift of grace that comes by hearing the word of God through faith in Christ Jesus. (coughs) Remember it was something that in Psalm 95 he told people would not enter because they did not listen. Now, when we think about Exodus 17, what's the background of rest for them? Well, for all of us, we go back to the second chapter of Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host with them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, he, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work he had done in creation. Do you see that little image, that glimmer that God gives us through Moses in the beginning of of Genesis chapter 2 about rest, about a day that is declared holy. See, all, you know, day 1 through 6, same God, God doing it, God speaking, but there was something about this rest that he said was holy. Now, we have the fall, we have the rebellion, we have creation broken by sin and then God begins his story of redemption. One of the passages that helps me look at this is the passage in Genesis 15 verses 1 and 2 and after these things, in other words after Abraham had won this massive battle against all these other kings and gotten people back And what I understand in terms of people who have been to battle is you have one battle and you're going to wait for the next one. And so he's the one who understands what could happen. But this is what God says to him. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Very simple message. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. When you look at this, you see that God is saying He's going to protect him, but He's going to be the reward. God is going to restore His presence back to Abraham's life, because see that's what happened. Remember, very dramatic scene in Genesis: Adam and Eve are being put out of the garden, separated from God's presence. Almost the rest of Scripture is about the story of God bringing us back into His presence. Now, I want, in closing, to jump ahead to a passage in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, remember we said that Jesus was the rock in in Exodus 17 coming from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4? Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens... And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle, humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden (coughs) is light. We live in a world that is described sometimes as 24-7. We weren't designed to live that way we were designed to have at least one day of rest to basically say, okay, we're done with work and we're going to rest and part of that rest is worship. But yet here Jesus, in looking at the relationship, says, you know, are you carrying a heavy burden? How many people are weary in their lives? Worn down. Learn from me. Remember how I began the sermon, reflect on Jesus, the apostle, the high priest, the son. Here is the son saying, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now I realize that we're coming up on school vacation time, but sometimes for families that can be very stressful because all of a sudden your routine is jumbled up. You've added special things. You're going on a trip. You're going to do something very special. You're trying to create these memories, and all of a sudden, you feel like you've got burdens on you because you're trying to do the right, you're trying to do the good thing. <coughs> so we think about Psalm 95. I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. I'd love to talk to you more about maybe how that would apply to your lives. But hear the word of God. Remember what Psalm 95 is all about? It's about listening. It's about hearing, not just reading, Scripture. Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence again. We come for rest. We acknowledge that sometimes we get drawn into a world that seems to have so many demands on us, so many things that it says we should do, that we forget that you take us when we're weary, when we're run down, when we're anxious, fearful, and that you promise to give us rest. We pray, as your words tell us, that we would learn from you. We know it's a journey, we know it's a process. And we pray that, as we saw in the text, that we might encourage and exhort each other daily. And so if we see someone who is burdened and weighed down, we pray that we might encourage them and come alongside. Father, thank you so much for these encouraging words. that that you are who you are and you're not silent, that we can know who you are and we can worship and honor you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen.